Praise the Lord. Amen. God bless all of you. Uh, before we start, just a couple of quick announcements. Um, thank you so very much for uh, your gift uh, last Sunday. Uh, wow. I I saw that there was a card, a uh, Visa card in there, but I didn't see the, what the amount was. Thank you so very much. Thank you. We so very much appreciate each and every one of you, and we feel honored and privileged, again, to be serving you in this capacity. Thank you. Uh, thank you, all those who are coming to prayer on Tuesdays. Uh, I feel like... The effort thus far is small <clears throat> compared to the task that we have in front of us. It's going to get bigger. It's going to get greater. Uh, but I don't want to make light of uh, what we're doing thus far. Thank you so very much for dedicating your time, uh, committing yourself to coming out here on, on Tuesdays. Uh, it's kind of a new thing, and... Uh, it's maybe a little weird, a little strange, but thank you. I feel like uh, things are happening spiritually. I know they are because we're getting some pushback. And that's uh, typically a pretty good indication that we're doing something right. Amen. I want to keep pushing back. I want to push them against the wall. Amen. We have a very special two very special guests with us tonight. Uh, Brother and Sister Bracken are here, ex-missionaries to Taiwan. Is ex-missionaries? Okay. <laughs> I feel like this is such a huge, strange coincidence because recently Brother DeMuth just lent me a copy of your book. And uh, I'm, I'm about halfway through with reading it. In fact, I was reading it this afternoon, trying to get through it so I could get it back to Brother DeMuth. Wow. I am, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's it's always considered a, uh, maybe a bit of a dangerous thing to try to lift someone up or, or boast about someone, and, and typically when you're the one being boasted on, it's it's a little embarrassing, and, and, you know, we all understand it's the grace of God, that's why we're here. But as it is coming up on Veterans Day, I want to say to this ex-seal, thank you. Thank you so very much for your service. <clears throat> I made it through jump school, and that's as far as I got. <laughs> that was nothing compared to what the seals go through in their training. Amen. But uh, I haven't got to the part where you actually uh, encounter the Lord yet. I'm looking forward to that. And if I'd have known you guys were coming, you'd be up here tonight. <laughs> Maybe that was on purpose. <laughs> Amen. But thank you. Thank you for being here. We're privileged and honored to have you with us tonight. Amen. Let's all stand. God most certainly has something in store for this service tonight. That's why we're here. Amen. Let's lift up our hearts, our voices to the Lord our God. Let's call on His name and ask Him to bless His service tonight. Lord Jesus, You are an awesome God. You are a mighty, wondrous, glorious Savior. 
We heap glory and honor unto you tonight, the Most High God. Thank you, Jesus, for your abundant grace, your mercy, your long-suffering patience to usward. You are the reason that we're here. You are the reason that we draw breath tonight. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We laud and we magnify you, Most Holy God. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would bless this, your service, that as we come into your presence, as we magnify your name, as we sit at your feet and wait upon you tonight, Lord Jesus, that you would minister, that you would bless, that you would heal, that you would save, that you would provide, all according to our desperate need tonight and according to your perfect will. Minister to this congregation, I pray. Minister to those joining us online tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. We do worship and we praise you. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity you've given us to enter into the very throne room of Almighty God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We look to you expectantly. We offer you tonight our full attention. Hallelujah, Jesus. Work in this place, I pray, miraculously, wondrously, according to your perfect will. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Praise God. God bless all of you. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated tonight. I know it's, it's not quite Thanksgiving yet, and it's certainly not quite Christmas time yet, uh, but we are going to be speaking tonight about the gifts of God, the gift of God. And typically, when we think of receiving a gift, we think of uh, excitement and looking expectantly, like uh, when it's our birthday. Or certainly at Christmas time, or, or maybe other special events, an anniversary. We're, we're kind of half expecting someone to give us a gift, and then when they give us a gift, oh, you didn't have to do that. Oh, but, but thank you. Hoping they would the whole time. <laughs> but when God gives a gift, it's sometimes not exactly what we're expecting, is it? Sometimes those gifts that God gives us are wrapped beautifully and presented wondrously, and we open it with excitement and anticipation, and oh, it's so beautiful. But sometimes God gives us an ugly gift. He gives us a gift that's wrapped in nasty brown paper bag and, and coarse burlap sack, and I don't know if I even want to open this thing. Uh, but inside is something, something beautiful, something that we need perfectly. But we've got to get through the nasty wrapping first to get to that beautiful gift. And so these kinds of gifts are hard to receive. These kinds of gifts, uh, they don't look like gifts. They look like trials. They look like uh, afflictions. But most of the time, maybe all of the time, these are the best things that we could ever receive of God. Luke chapter 17, beginning with verse 11, gives us an account of such a gift and the end result of it. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 11, we read this. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed, speaking of Jesus, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. 
And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, sow yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now there's an old proverb that I've heard a lot that says, I was sorry I had no shoes until I met the man who had no feet. When we encounter a tough situation, when we encounter a, a situation that's, that's hard to face, that's, uh, it makes us uncomfortable, to say the least, or at worst, it can devastate us, the loss of a loved one. Uh, we get into a, a dark situation in our lives, and we become so distraught and so frustrated, and, and maybe even we start to slip into depression. And we begin to wonder, why is this happening to me? Where is God in all of this? But it's hard to forget that, you know, there's only, there can only be one worst scenario in the world. There is one person out there who has it worse than I do. There are at least, there is at least one person out there who has been through everything I've been through and far worse. Certainly, us growing up in the United States, uh, we have, we're a very blessed people here in the United States. Uh, I know all of the current scenarios going on, the political, social situations, I, I understand all that, but yet it still remains true. We are the, this is still the best nation to live in, despite all of our problems. I did a little bit of research. Uh, The United States is ranked fourth in average annual salary. Uh, As of 2019, that would be $66,836 a year. There are a total of 195 nations that were ranked. The 35th in this uh, ranking was Mexico, with an annual average salary of $17,594. They made it to position 35 out of 195 countries. All of the other ones are quite a bit lower. And so, even if we're living on unemployment or Social Security or we don't have the the highest paying job, the places that we live in, the food that we eat, the vehicles that we drive, are still quite a bit better than a good 90% of the world's population. We're doing okay. But of course, financial difficulties and situations aren't all that we encounter. In the United States, uh, the worst thing as a Christian that I've ever had to face 
other than the things that everybody faces. We face the death of loved ones. Everybody faces that. That's not, that's not persecution because I live for God. That's because I live in a fallen world. And there's death. Someday, God willing, those kids are going to plant me. It's going to happen. Should the Lord tarry? It's not comfortable to talk about, but that's just the facts. I'm not going to live forever. I'm hoping to see the rapture. Maybe tomorrow morning would be a good time. But uh, if he doesn't come tomorrow, hopefully soon. In any case, uh, should he tarry? I'm going to die. And they're going to suffer through that. Yeah, they're already weepy. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Yes, yes, there's Kleenex up here, not a dry eye in the place. (laughs) But the things that people face in other countries, the situations and the the encounters that they endure on a day-to-day basis, if I dare say it this way, make my situations kind of seem weak by comparison. And I I certainly wouldn't make light of anybody's difficult situation. I've said this before. I'll continue to say it. You know, people have different endurance levels. They have different pain tolerances. And and everyone's at a different place in God. And so the things that used to really devastate me 20 years ago, they may not affect me the same way today. And 20 years from now, should the Lord tarry, it'll probably affect me even less. But in the moment, it's sure a big deal. And your situation, whatever it is, it's a big deal to you and to God. But when we compare problems, we compare situations because we like to do that, don't we? When I'm going through a situation and somebody else isn't, I start looking at them and like, well, but he does this, this, and this, and I don't. So why am I going through this? And, you know, we compare ourselves among ourselves, but only negatively. I'm never going to see the good things that you're doing and try to emulate that. I'm just going to see the bad things you're doing and say, see, I'm living better than you. So I shouldn't be going through this. But see, here's the thing. When God allows something like this into our lives, it's for a reason. And we've said this before, whatever God does in our lives, it's for our very best. We have to learn to trust God that when we're going through a difficult situation, whatever that may be, God put us, he put us in the middle of that for a reason. If we're living for God, if we're doing everything we can to serve him and discover his direction for our lives and pursue that, we're still going to encounter bad situations. But it's not because I'm, I'm displeasing God. Not in that case. It's because I am pleasing God. And he has decided to gift me something. In the scripture text that we just read, in verse 11, we read that there are both Jews and Samaritans present within the group of lepers that approach Jesus for healing. 
Now, lepers are given a few chapters in the uh, Old Testament Pentateuch, and (laughs) my daughter's favorite part of Bible reading is Leviticus, where we start talking about the lepers and the spots and the sores and the white hairs and (laughs) all that good stuff. But being a leper... That was, that was basically a death sentence. They may have lived a long time, but their lives were devastated. This group that approached Jesus may have been separated by theology, by culture, but they were together. They were bonded because of suffering. Some were Jews, some were Samaritans. But they all had something in common. They were lepers. They were separated from society. They were commanded to live off to the side, unseen, unheard, invisible. They were bonded together because of that. Our prejudices today, however strong they may be, can be broken by the bonding that comes from pain and suffering. Those that have served any time in the military understand this. It's called esprit de corps. And it's it's a phenomenon that it just doesn't have an equivalent, I don't think, in the civilian world. When a group of men or a group of people endure a hard situation together, they come through a situation together, That forges them into a team. It it binds them together. They have that experience together. And they can come from all walks of life. Black, yellow, white, brown, uh, Christian, Methodist, Buddhist. I, I mean, it doesn't really seem to matter what their culture or background is. When they go through the situation, and I can only imagine how that would be in wartime. It would be that much stronger. Because of that experience, because they endured that together. One of the gifts that pain and suffering can bring is the realization that although you may be different than me on the outside, you are the exact same as me on the inside. No matter what uh, situation in life I'm in presently, no matter where I grew up, who I was born to, what country I was raised in, it doesn't matter. When you cut me, I bleed red just like everyone else in the world. When I experience the death of a loved one, I'm hurting just like everyone else in the world. I I encounter the same situations as you. I respond largely the same way as you. It doesn't matter. We are the same. Jesus was sent to them both, Jew and Samaritan, and he desired to heal them both, to minister to all of their needs. Later, of course, Jesus died for the Jews and the Samaritans and the Gentiles. Jesus demonstrates to us here that, again, no matter who we are, we are all the same in His presence. We all stand equally tall, equally short, however you want to look at it. We are all the same in the presence of Jesus Christ. 
And the other thing is, He loves me just as much as He loves you. He died for me just as much as He died for you. And the things that He'll do in your life, He'll do in mine as well. And He loves me enough to tell me when I'm wrong. He loves me enough to tell me when I I need some correction. If I went through my whole life thinking I was right with God, and at the judgment I discover I'm not, I'd rather endure some spankings down here. Thank you. That will be just fine. Jesus loves the rest of the world just as much as He does America. That's a revelation for some of us in the United States. That Jesus is not an American. And that... And that He loves people from all walks of life. From every culture. From every nation. In verses 12 through 13, we are introduced to this group of lepers. Now again, the life of a leper, uh, we find just a hint of it in Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, and his head bare. And he shall put a covering upon his upper lip, and shall cry, unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. Okay, so first of all, we read that they were to wear torn clothes, rags. Their hair was to be unkempt, let down, disheveled. They were to look the part. Everyone that looked on them would know. They're lepers. Stay away. They were to cry, unclean, unclean, as a warning to others that they would be contaminated if they came close. If you were to touch a leper, you would be unclean. Can you imagine living that kind of a life? They were to dwell alone, separated from family and friends, separated from businesses, from everything they knew and loved, their homes, their children, They would be separated as long as they were lepers. They were to dwell outside the camp. They were forbidden to enter the sanctuary of God. Even God had separated Himself from you. Their fate was utter banishment and separation from family, friends, the people of God, and His sanctuary. They were thoroughly and utterly rejected by man, and I can imagine they felt by God. In verse 14, we see them crying out to Jesus, begging for them, begging for His help. They were without hope. They had no hope. Their life was crushed and any vestige of recovery was completely removed. It was gone. They were separated. They were lepers. They were broken. 
They were destitute. Their pride and their sufficiency was altogether gone. There was not a whole lot more that you could do to these except kill them. That's about all they had left was their life. From their asses, they were crying out to him, begging Jesus to help. What other choice did they have? They had no other option open. They were ready to meet Jesus. And Jesus, when he walked by, he saw them. He saw them. He acknowledged them. He spoke out to them. Can you imagine what that would have felt like? These invisible offcasts of society. No one would listen to him. No one would look at him. They were unclean. They were outside the camp. They were there for a reason. But Jesus met them, acknowledged their existence. He saw them. He spoke with them. These men who had been socially and culturally invisible and unseen were now seen by Jesus. Can you imagine feeling that someone sees me? He hears me speaking. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where it would have been really nice just to have someone to listen? Someone that would just listen to what I'm going through and understand. You know, <laughs> listening is a skill. And unfortunately, not a lot of people have that skill. Now, before you argue, there is a difference between listening and and waiting for the guy to take a breath so you can respond with something. Okay, that's not listening. Okay? So, now if you still disagree with me, go ahead. But truly listening to someone, hearing them, understanding what they're, what's being said, relating, understanding what they're going through. You know, I'm convinced that most counseling... That's really all that needs to take place. The few times where I've had someone to listen to me, I was good. I, that was all I needed. Either I was able to just talk it out myself, and, and the, the guy's like, yeah, you're welcome. But if you need any other kind of help, let me know. The only thing he said in the whole thing was, what can I do for you? That's it. But that is so powerful, especially in today's society. There are so many people out there that feel like nobody listens, nobody understands, nobody even sees what I'm going through. In this world of, of Facebook, TikTok, <clears throat> and all of these other social media sites, people have friends hundreds, thousands of, of friends on their social sites, but they don't know any of them. Nobody knows anybody. People have 
people are constantly connected on these things, but they have no one that they can call when they have a need or, or when they need some help. They don't have anybody. Our society today is desperate to be seen, to be heard, to be understood. And yeah, yeah, their ideas of right and wrong are completely warped. We agree on that. But nevertheless, Jesus died for them. He died for me. I was out there at one point with my warped, twisted ideas of right and wrong. I brought them right in here, too. There's a lot of sorting out that goes on. Thank God for that. But to be heard, to be seen, to know that there's somebody out there that will listen to me and actually hear and understand that I'm going through this thing. These lepers felt that for the first time in Jesus Christ. He's not running away. He's not fleeing from us. He's moving toward us. He's listening to us. He's speaking with us. And when Jesus addressed them, it was to address their need. It was to minister to their needs. Jesus commands them to go show themselves to the priest. Now we understand in Old Testament law that that was part of the process of being declared clean. They'd go show themselves to the priest. The priest would look them over, and if they were indeed clean, they're declared clean. They'd go through the, the ceremonial cleaning. they go through the time period, and they're good. They're good to go. They can come back into society. They're not a leper anymore. They can go into the house of God. They can go back to their families. They're not a leper anymore. Jesus didn't simply heal them and go on His way. He could have just said, you're clean. But He did it in such a way where that stigma would be removed. They were going to go to the priests and be declared clean. That would remove the stigma. They would no longer identify as a leper. They would identify as one of the people of God. We see in this, Jesus desires our complete restitution. Not just forgiveness of sins. But complete restitution to who He created us to be. A child of God. When God saves us, when He cleans us, when He fills us with His Spirit, He doesn't just declare us to be clean. He declares us to be a child of God. We, we identify no more with being a sinner. We don't identify with that person anymore. We are new creatures in Christ. We now identify as a child of God. What an awesome, miraculous process that is. Jesus commands them to show themselves to the priest before the actual healing takes place. Isn't that interesting? He's going to require something of us, isn't he? We have a need. We bring it to God. I'll take care of that, but here's what I need you to do. If you will, I will. Our faith will always be demonstrated by our, our obedience to God. 
It's not enough just to give the intellectual nod of the head to the fact that Jesus was alive on earth. It's going to take a little bit more commitment than that to enter into the kingdom of God. It will take active obedience and submission to His will. When Naaman went to the prophet Elisha to receive his healing, he had a problem with Elisha's dictates. He didn't want to go in the stinky river Jordan. There were plenty of other cleaner rivers to go in. Why can't I just go into one of them? But that wasn't the command. Naaman should have understood that. He was told to go in the river Jordan. It wasn't up for debate. When God tells us to do something, it isn't up for debate. Again, when Jesus talked to the rich young ruler and told him what he had to do, he didn't modify that when he began to walk away. The command still stood. When Jesus tells us to do something, whether it's to receive a miracle, whether it's to receive the answer to our need, whether it's to receive direction, whatever it is, when God tells us to do something, we do it. Can we trust God enough to just do what He tells us to do? I understand that you know, our first, our first real encounter with authority is our parents when we're growing up. And it's true that there are no perfect parents. No one is perfect. We all make mistakes. Our parents, they made mistakes. Our kids, when they grow up, they think they won't, but they're going to make mistakes too. Just give them this time when they have it all figured out. Let them be. They'll get it. We had to get it too. <laughs> but Jesus is perfect. He is our Heavenly Father. And when He tells us to do something, when our parents told us to do something, I don't know how your parents were. I know how my parents were. I didn't always trust them. I didn't. There were situations that were involved there. I I wasn't sure why they were asking this. So I had doubts. I had fears. But when Jesus tells me to do something, I don't have to fear. I don't have to wonder, well, what is he really saying here? What is, what is the real objective going on? Why is he saying this? I don't have to go through those mental gymnastics. I can just trust him. He loves me. And whatever He tells me to do is for my best. It's for my refining. It's for my improvement. If I need something put into me, maybe the situation is going to get it in there. If I need something removed, maybe the situation is going to take it out. But whatever it is, I know it's going to be good for me. I know that once I get this ugly wrapper off the present, it's going to be something beautiful. I just got to get through this nasty wrapper first to get to this beautiful gift that He has waiting. The gift that is waiting for us in the middle of persecution, that's waiting for us in the middle of affliction and trial, that's waiting for us in the midst of heartbreak, is a beautiful gift. And God wants us to receive it as such. 
But we've got to get through the wrapping first, don't we? They were to obey these lepers even before the results came. They were still lepers when they turned around and started moving toward the priests. They were still leprous. But as they went in faith, the the leprosy was destroyed. It was removed from their bodies. Sometimes there is a delay between the spiritual reality of of our situation and the physical manifestation. I've said this before. I think it's a good analogy. When you chop a tree down, it's dead. It's dead. It's not growing anymore. But it's going to take a while for that death to manifest. It still looks very much alive. The leaves are still green. But at some point, I just got to sit and wait for it. It's going to die. And sometimes the answers to our prayers are very similar to that. In the spiritual realm, God hears immediately. And He begins to answer right away. We see this in in Daniel's life. We heard your prayers from the very first moment you spoke them. It just took three weeks for us to get through all the, the junk, all of the opposition, to get you the answer. Things started happening immediately in the Spirit. But here, nothing. Next week, nothing. Week after that, still nothing. But that doesn't mean that there's nothing happening. There is most certainly something happening. But it's in the spirit. It's in the spiritual realm. And we understand that's reality. This stuff here is temporal. It's going to burn. It's going to go away. It's not going to last. This is not reality. I mean, it's real. If I hit myself hard enough, I'm going to feel how real it is. But it's temporal. The spiritual realm is eternal. We are all going to live forever somewhere. These bodies are temporal. They're going to return to the dust from whence they came. But the spirits... They are eternal. They are going to go to God who made it. That's where we live. That's our reality. That's who we identify with, is the spiritual. We are spiritual beings. We are in a spiritual entity, the church. This isn't a building. It's not just a collection of people. It's a spiritual organism that Jesus Christ purchased. We are placed into that spiritual organism according to His perfect will. The body of Christ. Many times in our lives we're going to be called upon, have been called upon, to take some action in the face of overwhelming, contradictory evidence. We're going to be asked by God to worship Him and to pray when I can't feel God. When I think that He's he's a million miles away. He has no idea where I'm at. He can't hear me or won't hear me. But he wants us to worship and pray anyway, even when we don't feel like it. To attend church when I don't feel like attending. To remain faithful to my partner, my spouse. To remain faithful to my children, 
even when everything around me is screaming at me to leave. To keep working with and loving someone, even when they stab you in the back. Even when you don't see any progress at all. When you're called to a ministry that you know in your heart you're, you're not qualified to do. In all of these scenarios, the blessing for our obedience will come sometime afterward. But it will come when we obey the dictates of God. When we submit ourselves to His plan for our lives. When we're pursuing His will with all of our hearts. Only good things can come from that. There's going to be some wrapping to uncover. But the best gifts lie in the center. The best, the best gifts from God lie by, by moving through these periods of obedience without feeling. I know as Pentecostals, we love feeling. We love the, getting into the presence of God and feeling His presence. I do too. But we're not saved by feeling. We don't grow through feeling. I love it when, it, when it's there. I will I'll take all I can get. But when it's not there, that's okay too. Because I'm not serving God because of a feeling. Serving Him because of who He is. And because of what He did in my life. He's my Savior. He loves me. Every difficult situation God places us in is for our benefit. It's for our benefit. God doesn't benefit by giving us good gifts, and He doesn't benefit Himself by sending us through test and trial. It doesn't really affect Him personally at all. But it, it affects us. It affects We read that the Jews left and went to the priests. The Samaritan, realizing what had happened, returned and fell on his face and worshipped and thanked God. Why did only the Samaritan return? Why didn't the Jews return? Why do some people today Come through trials with a thankful heart. And others come through with bitterness. What's the difference? Well, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I think we begin to buy into the delusion that life should work well for us. Even though we live in a fearful, fallen world. Things should just work out for us. I'm a child of God. I've never thought that, you know, I'm better than everyone out there, so I should be treated betterly. Betterly. Better. <laughs> Strike that from the tape. I've never really thought like that, but... I guess, in effect, I may as well have. 
at some points. Because I have thought that they happen out there, but not to me, because I live for God. And maybe that's true. Actually, that is true in some instances. There are some things that we will never encounter simply because we're doing what we can to serve the Lord. I'm not going to get a DUI. I'm never going to experience that. I'm never going to spend a night in jail because of drunk driving. Why? Because I don't drink alcohol. Why? Because I feel like it displeases God. So I'm not going to drink alcohol. I'm not going to do things that I believe displease God. And because of that, I'm just going to not go through some things that people out there go through. Thank God for that. But it's not because of me. I can promise you that because when I didn't have Jesus Christ, I did do those things. Now I have Jesus Christ, and he's put a new spirit in me. I don't want to do those things anymore. I want to live for him now. So because of him, because of that new spirit, because I'm a new creature, I don't do those things. But if we're not careful, we can start thinking that we... How do I say this right? can't just say it because I don't know how. The, uh, we can get to the place where we think we've earned something above and beyond. We can't get to the place where we think uh, that I deserve to have a life that's easy, that's cush, that's, that's comfortable. I deserve to have all of these blessings poured out upon me and none of the pain. None of the suffering. None of the misery. We can get to that place. Not overtly. If someone asked us, we deny it. But the way we live, the way we think about trials and tests, kind of gives that indication though, doesn't it? When things don't go our way, and they continue to not go our way, how do we respond to that? The proper response, and it's an easy response to give, here in church, presence of Jesus, we're surrounded by our family members here. Well, the correct response is we should be thankful, even in the midst of trial, tests, situations. And that is the correct answer. Yes, it is. However, it's a little bit easier to say right here than it is on Monday night when I'm all alone and my bank account is overdrawn by a thousand bucks and I got the creditors calling and my car is in the shop and I can't get anywhere that's a little bit different now but the answer is still the same if I'm paying my tithes and offerings and I'm going through financial hardship I know that I'm here for a reason and I know that at the end of this trial, I'm going to come forth as pure gold, refined, looking more like Jesus. But I've got to get through the wrapping. And I've got to keep trusting in my Savior. I've got to te- keep trusting in the one who placed me here and who did so for a reason. We can get to the place where we believe that our comfort is a right. And that our personal advancement and prosperity are major objectives of of God. 
God's major objective in my life is to promote me and to, to make me wealthy and comfortable. Now, when we say it like that, it sounds a little ridiculous, doesn't it? And yet, we can still think like that. We can't see God's bigger plan because of this. We can't see his gift because of the wrapping. This Samaritan knew he was a stranger. He knew he had no legal bearing in the presence of this God, this prophet. Yet in his desperation, because he had no other option, he did so anyway. And Jesus' response is fascinating. He responded to the Samaritan the exact same way as he did to all the Jews. The exact same way. He spoke to all of them equally. Go show yourself to the priests. He was speaking to the Samaritan too. I can't help but think that he was amazed that Jesus had set him on equal footing with the Jews, at least in this instance here. I'm not saying he had equal covenant promises or anything like that, but in this situation right here, he was on equal footing. Both in affliction, they were all lepers, and in deliverance. Jesus healed every one of them. He went from identifying as a leper to identifying as someone who was clean. Today, you and I, who were outcasts, we were outside of the promises of God, outside of a covenant relationship with Him. Today, we are kings and priests, sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's who we identify with now. That's our identity today. We don't identify with our old natures or our old lives who we were before. We were spiritual lepers before we came to God. Destitute, broken, hopeless. We had no hope whatsoever. And when we came to Jesus, because we had no other option, He acknowledged us. He moved toward us. He spoke to us. He ministered to our needs. He cleaned us, and He adopted us into his family. When you begin to realize that, it becomes very easy to return to Jesus and fall on our face before him and give him worship and praise and thanks and adoration for the great things that he's done. Jesus was amazed and disappointed that only the Samaritan returned to give glory to God. He wondered that only this stranger came back to give glory to God. Again, let's not allow ourselves to get arrogant or proud of our relationship with God and begin to think that we are owed all of these good gifts from His hand. Yes, we are deserving. Yes, we are worthy through the blood of Jesus. But we don't earn any good thing from Him. He blesses us because He wants to. It's His good pleasure to. 
If God doesn't give me anything from this point forward, does that mean he loves me any less? If God heaps me with blessings, does that mean he loves me more? Of course, the answer to both is no. God will never love me any less, and he can't love me any more. The gifts of God that he pours out, the good things that he pours out so freely upon all of us, I love every single one of them. But if he stopped pouring those out, that's okay. Because the one thing that truly matters that he gave me, he gave me his name. He gave me his spirit. He gave me salvation. And someday, whether he blesses me anymore or not, I'm going to live forever with him. I will be forever content and grateful for that. Verse 19, we see in the life of the Samaritan that Jesus, because of his attitude, because of his desire to come back and return and give God thanks and praise for what he had done in his life, Jesus doesn't just heal the Samaritan, but he makes him whole. Instead of simply removing the leprosy, he completely heals his body as if it had never touched him. It's completely restored. When we have a proper response to the gifts of God, all of them, the ones with nice wrapping and the ones with ugly brown wrapping, we receive all the benefits from the gift. When we focus on the problems, the hardships, the struggles, when we just can't seem to get past the ugly wrapping, We never get to the gift waiting for us inside. These are gifts waiting for us. These struggles, these hardships, these heartaches, they're gifts waiting for us. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, give thanks. Because we don't always know the purpose of the valleys. We don't always know the purpose of the particular situation we're going through. We may not know it for a good long time. And yet, we move forward to the priests in faith. Understanding and trusting God that at some point this will be revealed in our lives. God knows that whatever He allows into our lives is for our perfection. And so we also should know that. Jesus knows exactly what He's doing. He does. It may seem like chaos. It may seem like your life is falling apart. I don't discount any of that. But the reality is it's not. It seems like it. It looks like it. All the evidence points to it. I get that, but it's not. 
as long as you're still living for God, as long as you're still moving forward in His plan for your life, it's not falling apart. It's being reordered. It's being rearranged according to His will. Let Him do that in your life. Let Him rearrange the things that He needs to rearrange so that you can go out and do the things that you need to do. This world so desperately, this world so desperately needs men and women who are completely submitted to God, who are completely in the will of God, who are submitted to that process, that refining fire, who will allow God to bring that person through to the other side so that they can be effectively used by Him. In conclusion, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5 through 5 says this, A warning from the Apostle, those that are living in the last days. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. We cannot allow ourselves to be unthankful. Unthankfulness, along with all of these other traits, they are of the enemy. They are of our old nature. An old nature that should be crucified daily. Unthankfulness is the trait of this age. It's a spirit of this age. You do something for someone, well, you should have done that. I deserve that. There's no thanks. There's no gratitude. You're just doing what you owe me. Now more than ever, we must cultivate in ourselves an attitude of thankfulness and genuine worship for what God has done. Because of what He's done, because of who He is, He's altogether worthy of our worship, of our praise, of our thanksgiving, no matter the situation we find ourselves in. Amen. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful that when I was a long ways off, you saw me. You saw me. You heard my cries. You knew where I was at. You cleaned me up and you put me on my high place. You filled me with your spirit. You called me by your name. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. You cleansed me from all sin and unrighteousness. You declared me to be holy and just in your sight. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, that we have a Savior in you. Thank you, Jesus. Help us, Lord, to trust in you. Whatever situations we find ourselves in, whatever circumstances we face, help us to understand that we are here because of you. Help us to trust in you. Help us to believe in you. 
Help us to look to you, Lord Jesus, for guidance, for help, for strength. Hallelujah, Jesus. Bless this people, I pray. Undergird them with strength. Encourage them tonight in the Lord their God. Help us, Lord Jesus, to go with you, to follow after you from this point forward. Bring us back to the house of God at the day appointed. All of these things we ask in Jesus' name. Let your great name be glorified through your people, I pray. Amen, amen.